With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wonder what it feels like to be an assistant coach for the Montreal Canadiens, your childhood team, finally get the call to be the head coach after the previous coach was relieved of his duties, take the team to the Stanley Cup final, fall a little short, want to take the next step the year after, but everything that could go wrong went wrong. And then all of a sudden, you find yourselves in the bottom of the standings. A new general manager comes in, tells you that your job is safe. A couple of months later, you're relieved of your duties. How does it feel like to be the coach of the Montreal Canadiens? And how does it feel like when you are no longer the coach of the Montreal Canadiens? I'm very much looking forward to this conversation with former Montreal Canadiens coach Dominic Ducharme right here on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero. Turn up Oh yes, brought to you by 8.6 Beer, Intense by Nature, uh, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark, and brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, or the last time was when the Habs went to the Cup Final, which was with Dominic Ducharme coaching the team, well, it's time you get back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. A lot of people would like to have news from the former coach of the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to get some now. He joins us. Coach, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, Tony. Uh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure thank to talk to you. Thank you very much. I know you uh, took some time off this summer, and uh, I believe you spent, give or take, about a month in Europe. If you don't mind me asking, where did you go and what did you do? Well, we had a wedding in uh, Paris, uh, so uh, spent some time there. And, and I played in France uh, at the end of my career when I played. And so I uh, went down south a bit, uh, south of France where I played and spent a little bit of time there and Barcelona and went around a little bit. So it was fun. It was really warm, though, hot. Oh. They, uh, they played- good time. They play hockey in France. Uh, not so sure they play uh, hockey in Barcelona, where obviously the number one sport is a sport that we call soccer. They call football. But when you went to Barcelona, 
Could you smell another sport in the air there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, went to Camp Nou and oh, really? But they play hockey. Yeah, the Barcelona FC's got a hockey team. Oh yeah, they play in the Spanish league. Yeah, but uh, obviously, it's not uh, nearly close to uh, what football is yeah. in Spain. But uh, yeah, they they have a league there, um, and they uh, they also have a handball team and a basketball team playing yeah. right around the stadium. So. Um, no, it was a nice visit to see Camp Nou and everything that, that it means. So you saw it from the outside or you actually went in and got a tour? No, inside, yeah, inside. Yeah? Everything. Oh, yeah. For a guy who's been to so many arenas in his life and who was once upon a time the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, does it impress you to go to a place like Camp Nou or, you know, been there, done that? Or? No, no, it's uh, it's nice to see uh, other sports like that. I'm, I'm I, obviously, hockey's my life. I I played, I coach, I, I've been involved since I forever, right? But uh, I'm a sports guy too, and I like uh, I like uh, watching soccer. I like uh, you know watching golf or playing golf or other sports. So I'm really uh, into watching uh, those big events, especially, and I like sports history. So you know, I like to be doing those things. Pretty cool. Coach, when you were the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, can you begin to describe or put into words what it feels like when you wake up in the morning, you, Dominic Ducharme, are the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. You walk out of your house, you get in your car, you take a drive, you're the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. You walk into a cafe, you have a double espresso or whatever you have, you're the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. You walk in the old port of Montreal you're the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. It, it, it must feel like something incredible. Can you begin to describe it? Yeah, but it uh, it went so fast in the sense that uh, you know when it happens, it's uh, we were in Ottawa, right, and and we were going to Winnipeg, and I left my car at the Bell Center, and leaving, and and being the assistant coach, and when I got back from the trip, you know, I was the head coach now, and and obviously. Uh, with the crazy season last year with COVID and, and everything that we had to go through in the 25 games and 43 days at the end of the season and the playoff and the short summer. You know, I, when you're in it, like you don't have really have time to enjoy it or really or uh, appreciate it as much. Uh, I think I will do that more um, when I'm done coaching and I look back and saying, you know, at one point I was the coach of the Canadians. When you replaced Claude Julien, who was relieved of his duties, you just talked about when it was and where it was. Did you see it coming? No. No, we had a great start of the season uh, that year. Uh, obviously, in the games before, you know, previously to that, uh, we struggled a little bit. Um, so, and, and never had an indication, never had a anything coming and uh you know after that game uh late at night uh, i got a call from mark to go and see him at his in his room and that's where he announced it to me and i was surprised so i didn't wake up the coach of the canadians because i didn't sleep that night so uh basically uh um, i was it was a little bit of uh, uh both sides where i felt bad for Claude because such a great man and uh, yeah. he, he's he's the one that brought me in 
uh, showed a lot of confidence in me. Um, same thing with Kurt, working with him every day. So, you know, seeing those guys go, uh, that would not have been the, the way I wanted to come in. Yeah. But you don't choose it, right? And uh, It's the nature the of the side, beast, right? You're hired to be fired is what they say, correct? Yeah, exactly. And uh, But obviously after that, uh, realized that, uh, you know, I uh, I was coaching the Canadians now. How many people did you call? to let them know that you were going to be the coach of the Montreal Canadiens? It was uh, really late, so I uh, called my girlfriend, and uh, she was asleep, so it took her a little bit of time to understand what I was saying. <laughs> so, uh, And the next morning, before it came out, I, uh, I called my kids, and they were on their way to school in the bus. Oh, so, wow. So um, I said... Do you have your earphones on? Because I don't want anyone to hear, right? But I, yeah. I wanted them to know before it came out. And uh, I told them, so they were happy and at the same time surprised, and then called my mom So that, that and my brother. So called my family, and uh, like five minutes after. Uh, so you know, let's say, it give was or out. take, from that night to the next morning, you called about five people, okay? Yeah. If you were going to place more calls, if you were going to, to let people know, where would Tony Marinero be on that list exactly? I'm just wondering. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure, Tony. I like you a lot, <laughs> but I, uh, I I haven't worked on it yet, so I cannot tell. All right. Okay. Let's let's fast forward. You, you are the coach of the Canadians, and the team goes on um, – They, they make it to the playoffs. You talked about that crazy COVID uh, year, 25 games in 43 days, whatever it was. You're down 3-1 in the series to Toronto. And losing, the Canadians losing in the playoffs is one thing. The Canadians losing to Toronto or a Boston or a Quebec Nordiques back in the day is something else. I mean, that, that's, that really hurts. Um, how worried were you? When your team was down, I know that, you know, coaches are always optimistic and they always think their team's going to win. I get that. But is there a part of you that's really worried? You're down three games to one. You worried? Uh, well, obviously, you don't want to be in that position. But what I like with our team is that the first game we played, played solid. We played well, won that first game. Game two. Two nothing. Until the... Until the second period, uh, we were playing the same way, and then we got into penalty trouble and so on. And then from there, game, at the end of game two, game three and four, I thought, I thought we didn't play the way we were able to play. So we had a, a good meeting before uh, leaving for Toronto for game five. And, and um, you know, we had an opportunity to do something. Anytime you come into the playoffs and uh, – And guys really uh, stepped up, and then we started playing the way we wanted to play and go back to that, and we carried that uh, until the final. Please take me behind the scenes. What did that meeting sound like? What did it look like? Well, you know, quite often um, I was sitting down with uh, Shea and Corey Perry. Uh, like, I wouldn't say every day, but... Uh, uh, Sometimes one of the two or both together. And, you know, I, I felt it was important for me uh, as a young coach to have good leaders, leaders like that, good leadership. I wanted them to understand 
what I was doing and what I wanted to do. So, you know, we, we worked together on that. And, and I knew that when I was addre addressing the team after that, that those guys understood where we were going and what we were doing and why some of the things we were changing or why we were doing things a certain way. And we had a good discussion that morning and, and, and we talked about opportunity. And, and Shay, um, you know, uh, I don't think he never passed the second round in his whole career. Yeah. And he had a chance there. Corey won the, you know, the Stanley Cup early in his career. Yeah. It went to the final the year before with Dallas. But yeah. again, he wanted to get another shot. So when we got out of my office and I went up to the room for the meeting, uh, I was going to talk about opportunity. And at one point, I asked Shay about that, and he, 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 he talked about it. And then I asked Corey, and then I asked Eric Stahl, which was in a little bit of the same situation, uh, winning the Stanley Cup really early in his career and then not had, having another crack at it. Yeah. And I think those guys, uh, you know, with everything that was said, like I said, uh, you know, we, we went to get into game five had a really good start. Um, you know, they came back and tied the game at one point, but we, we wanted an overtime and then coming back to Montreal, uh, that was our goal, just to come back and have fans for the first time in our building. Yeah. So we just took it step by step like that, and then uh, we started building that momentum. So you leaned on your leaders, you leaned on your veterans, and once you were able to sell your idea to them, you knew it was going to pass with the group. No doubt, because those guys, solid leaders, well-respected. I mean, I don't need to go deep into that. Everyone knows about uh, about Shea, his leadership and what he meant to the team. And a guy like Corey Perry is a special human being, special player. And, um, you know, those two guys, uh, I knew that uh, when they understood what I was trying to do and uh, the way we were doing things, I knew that uh, they would go with that message and, and, and you know, solidify the room with that too. Coaches say, you know, we'll take it one period at a time, one game at a time. I hear that often. But when your team came back down 3-1 versus Toronto to beat them game seven, uh, winning games five and seven in Toronto, when you won that series, did you – Say to yourself, or did anyone in that room, did you get the sense that this team thought that they were going to go very, very far now? Even though they had a couple of other series out of the, to get out of the way yeah. before going to the Cup. But, but I, I think uh, they believed in that uh, all year long, even though it was not an easy, a smooth ride. You know, um, we faced so much adversity. Like you said, those, you know, those, those 25 games and 43 nights, it's not only the number of games. It's it brings injuries. It brings you know wear and tear on the body mentally. It was a challenge, and we didn't practice. We had no time to practice. So what was good is we had a week before we started against Toronto to practice and really had four or five good days of practice, which is more than you normally do. Mm -hmm. So 
so that's why I was confident throughout the series. And but at the same time, I knew we could be playing better when we were down one three. Um, and then, you know, it's always a mental game. Also, when you get into the playoff, and those kind of situations where uh, you can turn a series around or game around um, by sticking together and and really everyone bringing their best game. How down were you when you found out you tested positive for COVID versus Vegas in the semis? I was down for sure. I mean, that was an exciting moment. And, uh, but the good thing is, you know, I, I had to deal with it. Uh, there's nothing I could do, but I stayed in, uh, you know, I kept the same schedule uh, with the players. So, you know, the morning meetings, I would, do it by zoom like that it's not it's different like obviously i want to be there um you know co- uh, coaches would call me in between periods just i was watching with a different angle now i was almost doing my video at the same you know live wow so i had a different perspective on the game sometimes and when you're behind the bench so we were talking together and and uh obviously i would like love to be there in person but uh i needed to deal with it and that was just another uh, obstacle or another challenge that we had and that i had so once again uh you're probably going to every game thinking that you're going to win it but now you make it to the stanley cup final you're going up against the defending stanley cup champions and with all due respect to your players correct me if i'm wrong they're probably superior at every position it's a debate but they're really, really talented. They're really, really deep. You look at that and you say, oh, my God, what in the world are we going to do here? Or do you look at the Islanders who gave them a run and say, if we play them the way the Islanders played them, we can beat these guys? Yeah, for sure. No, we uh, and we were confident at the time, too. We just, uh, you know, we, we came back against Toronto. We. We had a great uh, series against uh, Winnipeg, winning in four, playing four solid games. And then uh, Vegas, that, uh, you know, everyone was uh, probably betting that on, on Vegas going to the Stanley Cup final. Um, so we were confident coming in. Uh, you know, we have a different team than the Islanders, but we, we thought that we could win that. Um, I think a big, big swing in the series is game two. Uh, the way we played in that game, I think if we played we played that, that that way ten times, we win that game probably eight or nine times because you know we what out, out shoot them forty three to eighteen or something like that. Uh, we make two mistakes and, and then that's that's a mark of a good team is you know they made us pay on on mistakes and they scored two goals on one at the end of the second period and one uh, in the third to uh, make the difference in the game. So um, if, if there's one game we would like to play back again is game two. A shout out to NordVPN. And sometimes I get worried about my privacy while using all the technology of today. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted. So you never have to worry about your IP or your location getting out using NordVPN. You can do just that. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash sickpod to get up a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All right. 
you lose the cup final. You talked about like it's uh, the players leave it all out there. The coaches leave it all out there. There's injuries and, and, and stress and this and that and all that stuff. The day after you lose the Stanley Cup, how long did it take you to try and get it out of your mind? It's tough. You know, it's tough because, um, you know, making it to the Stanley Cup final, like the Canadians, mm-hmm. you know, made it one time in 29 years, since 93. So uh, when you have a chance, you want to make the most out of it. So, you know, it's tough to swallow that you get so close and then you can't, uh, you can't finish it off. So I don't know if I can say how much time it takes, but, uh, you know, it stays with you and it's still with us, right? Uh, within yeah. us because... You know, we had that chance. So that opportunity that we talked about before. So, you know, that's that's something that uh, we needed to do a deal with for sure. So the following year, you know, you brought up before Weber, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl. You had meetings with them. You talked to them. You sold them on ideas. Uh, you leaned on them. You had a good discussion. They were part of your big part of your leadership group. The next year, none of them are there. In your head, are you saying, I just lost three big-time leaders. How do we replace these guys? For sure. But at the same time, you know, uh, I was looking at the uh, the road that we had in the playoff and everything that we went through, and I, I was thinking, you know, you know guys uh, learned a lot from that, and I think you know guys are going to be coming out of it, and as a group, probably stronger, and maybe we can you know overcome uh, their loss uh, with everyone just being stronger and knowing what it takes to be having success in that league. And so I was more leaning on everybody uh, this time, but you know obviously uh, many things happened, and and uh, it was a tough situation after. If you love the podcast, comment sick on all social media platforms, S-I-C-K. It's a way of us feeling the love. Phil Deneau leaves and signs with the Los Angeles Kings as an unrestricted free agent. Um, one of the top, from a statistics point of view, six or seven, I would say, 200-foot uh, players in the league in terms of shutdown players, uh, did his role to perfection. I think Nathan McKinnon, once upon a time, was quoted as saying that he had a really, really hard time playing against Phil Deneau. He thought he was a very underrated player. Um, If Dominic Ducharme gets his way, Phil Deneau gets the contract he's looking for in Montreal? Well, I mean, if if it was my way, there would be no salary cap, right? (laughs) I mean, you keep everyone, like every time. Yeah. Um, You know, that's the biggest thing with the – with any team is uh, dealing with the salary cap. And you can see it this year, this summer, you know, teams are really juggling to, to figure out ways to fit everyone and make some yeah. moves and try to improve. So it, it's tough. I like Phil. I like Phil. I, I use them a lot. Um, I use them so much that at one point, like I needed to pick where I was using it, you know, because I knew on the offensive side, that we could have got more, and he showed that this year. But he was our only, uh, you know, PK guy uh, 
taking face off on the left side, uh, being able to play against the best line on the other side. So, you know, he, I, I, I really enjoyed coaching him. Uh, he's a great kid and, you know, solid player. 200 foot, you said it. Uh, you're probably sick of the question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. But with time, you reflect on this, on a few things. Have you been able to put your finger on why Cole Caulfield just couldn't get going in the regular season last year? Well, first, we talk about the playoffs. And, I, and when I look back at Cole's situation, um, you know, we came out of college. Uh, he... He was sent to Laval a little bit, played a few games. Then he came up with us. You know, we we took our time. We put him in. You know, he's got a good end of the season. Uh, we start the playoff. We were healthy. We have everyone. We, we wait a little bit. We let him, you know, soak everything in. And he comes in, and, and you can see, like, from one game to the other, from one series to the other, he's, you know, he, he had – Great playoff, and um, so, but the shot the summer was short. The summer was short for everyone. You know, when when we finished playing uh, July seven, you know, we were in a intense or really tight bubble here. You know, and from you know uh, New Year's to July seven, players couldn't go anywhere. Uh, wives couldn't go anywhere. Um, so mentally it was a challenge. So when we finished playing, you know, guys took a week here to get together and with the wives and, you know, go to dinner and have fun and, you know, have a social life. So when they got back home, you know, that's mid July, then they do the same because they couldn't see their friends, their family and so on. So now you end up to the end of July. Right, you have one month to prepare for the training camp. That's not normal. Like when you get a an athlete out of his cycle, training like this, it's like you go to the gym twenty times to prepare for an eighty two game season. Physically, that's a challenge. Mentally, I felt our guys, and Cole was one of them. I felt our guys were were roasted. When they showed up to camp, they were fried already. Like I talked, you know, they understood what I was talking about. And like, but I could see that it was hard for them to do it, like to to start the machine again, to restart. So Cold is one of those guys. And, you know, um, he put pressure on himself. He wanted to, you know, get in right away. You know, score forty, get the caller, but he doesn't have the start that he wants. So I tried to. I knew we would face some challenges having that short summer, so I tried to keep uh, the lines as close as we finished with. But it wasn't. It was not working. So at one point we made some changes and tried to bounce guys around to get a, a little bit of a a spark somewhere. So when you have a tough start, it's tough to recover. And I think with the pressure on himself that he puts, Cole is a competitive guy. He wanted to make the difference at a tough start. Went to Laval, came back, uh, 
got injured, got uh, COVID, and I felt toward the end uh, that he was close to coming back, being himself. He was missing chances. He was trying to pick that corner so tight that he was missing the net. So I would sit down with him and, and we would talk and, you know, try to hit, like hit the net more and yeah. one goal was going to go in and then it's, it's, you know, it's going to keep going. So he went through that and you look back, he had no training camp. He injured himself uh, in a red and white game in warm-up, just falling by himself and hurting his shoulder like yeah like everything you know that that's part of the short summer when yeah. you're not mentally sharp those kind of things happen we're coach, it's a it's a part of me it's a tough question that i'm going to ask you now but i'm going to ask it to you anyway because i know you can handle it how do you explain him exploding after like i i at one point you must have been watching some games is there something that you saw that he was doing differently that he wasn't doing before that, because if he was tired before, the more the season was going to go on, he was still going to be tired. Right. But there had to be a change. No, I'm not saying he was like, I think the, 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 the one good thing he had is um, after Christmas, he had um, COVID. He went back home in Wisconsin. We had a break. Uh, I think it was a bye week that we had and so on. And then he was coming back. Um, so I think physically he was refreshed by then. Yeah, he was in Wisconsin um, with Armia, I think. Yeah, with Armia. And then, yeah. um, so physically, I thought, you know, that break was good for him. Uh, mentally and physically, he went back home too. Um, you know, he was, I think it was a question of confidence, you know, confidence. And then one thing is we were seen um, as the team that went to the Stanley Cup final that was not, playing well and not winning and and for many reasons and uh, you know but you know that that's a little bit of the spiral that we were in mm -hmm. so making that change uh, as a you know i think the organization sent the message that they were going to rebuild and then i think pressure went off everyone and then they just they just played i think that yeah. that pressure was different on a Saturday night, I believe your team was in Pittsburgh. I was watching the game. Actually, I was at Lacash, and it was reported that Mark Bergevin uh, was let go and um, that Jeff Gordon was um, going to be brought in as a senior VP of Hockey Ops. So um, the guy who hired you is let go. Someone else comes in. And, you know, when Jeff Gordon came in, for me, he came in to do a rebuild because that's what he did with the New York Rangers. So I figured that you would be safe in your job because the results at that point weren't all that important. As a matter of fact, not that you, you know, want to lose games, but if you're going to go through a rebuild, you know, the lower you are in the standings, I mean, the better it is. What did you think when Jeff Gordon was hired? Did you think he was hired to do a rebuild? That's what I thought. What did you think? Um, well, first, I, you know, it was a tough situation for Mark. So we won that game in Pittsburgh. Uh, I remember him calling me after and, you know, we talked about it, uh, he, he, you know, what was coming. And, uh, and then, 
you know, Jeff came in and uh, I, I didn't know. I mean, I I never knew really uh, exactly where they were going with that. You were quoted as saying the following. Let's bring it up. I believe you said it to Marc-Antoine Gaudin of The Athletic, if memory serves me well. If the plan was to lose as many games as we could and to play the young players, I would have liked to have known because I would have had a different approach with them. I was trying to squeeze as much as I could everywhere to try and get some results. So there was never a chat with this is where we are. This is what we want to do in the next year, two, three. This is what we want to This is what our strategy is. This is what our plan is in terms of a rebuild, a revamp, a reset. A discussion like that never took place. I I find that mind-boggling. I mean, I don't want to go back on every on everything, but you know, um, um, I would have liked to sit down and with them and just uh, probably. Uh, get them to know me better and understand or maybe just hear what I would, the way I see the game and, and the future and so on. But, you know, uh, I think every time there's a change in management, you know, sometimes, and it's not a, not only ho- in hockey, I think in, in sports and even in businesses, when there's a new management, you know, they, they want to uh, get a f- fresh start and, uh, and get, uh, put their print on on uh, what's coming and uh, you know bring uh, you know make it, make that change where you know the, the, that, that was the uh, old administration and that's the new administration and we bring those people and yeah. that's a new start so i think it was just uh, in the plans that uh, when mark left i think uh, it was just a matter matter of time for me But when Jeff Gordon was hired, if memory serves me well, at the press conference, at his press conference, he was asked if Dominic Ducharme was safe. And he said he was. And you would be safe for the rest of the season. And then a couple of months later, you were relieved of your duties. When things continued to slide for your team, did you think you were safe because Jeff had said that you were going to be safe? Or were you worried? Well, I mean, when you're in that situation, you, you just take it one day at a time. You know, first uh, I would get up in the morning and I was like, all right, we're getting two guys back today. And I was coming back home and finally we lost three. So two came back and we were losing three. Like, it was a crazy uh, situation and and year for that because uh, it seems that we never had the same guys on the ice. Uh, and then from there, you know, we're finishing the year or not. Uh, if, you know, they wanted to make a change, they made a change. So it's not a big difference if they waited at the end of the year or at that time. So, uh, no, it's okay. It's part of it. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I went through uh, a lot of uh, good things uh, with the playoffs and everything else the year before. Took a lot of uh, experience uh, in that, uh, in that uh, season. And, uh, you know, you cannot... Uh, Go at the, at the store or uh, the corner store and and order experience. Like you, you need to be going through those stuff, and I did, and uh, it's gonna make me a better coach. And um, 
that's the way I see it, and that's it. I, I, I I'm with, you know, I wish them the best, and and uh, I'm looking forward for my my next uh, opportunity. You now, good for you, coach. Coach, I, I've always been a believer that if a coach has something to say against a player, that it should be done behind closed doors, and vice versa. All right. Um, that famous night when Jeff Petrie came out after the game and said the team had no structure, I'm not going to lie to you. I felt bad for you. And the reason why I felt bad for you is because what he said could mean so many things, but let's be honest. It doesn't reflect well, I think on the game plan. Right. And after he said that, I thought you were in trouble. Did you feel hurt? to hear one of your players say that when you defended that player the entire year, and let's be honest, you could have called out that player on several occasions because he was underperforming. Well, if you, if you uh, listen back or read back to what he said, you know, he says that uh, it seems that uh, we don't have structure, but at the same time, right after he says, um, we know where we need to be, but uh, sometimes we're not there. So I think, you know, it was just a, a tough season for Jeff. You know, with uh, I talk about uh, the bubble uh, the, the year before, and then we start the season, and then again, uh, we're, we're in that tight bubble. And, and uh, you know, it, it was a tough season. And that summer for him was short. And, you know, he was one of the guys that probably uh, had the worst of, that because you know he's he was not in in his best physical condition to start the year and and mentally was facing some challenges and and, and different things so um you know sometimes uh when when you're under that much uh, pressure and and you want to you know sometimes things don't come out exactly the way you want to do it you know, he wanted to be playing better and he was, you know, he had a hard time and we tried everything to help him out. Uh, so we had a good discussion the next day after and, you know, there was uh, nothing personal, me and him. Uh, we had a good meeting with the team also. So, uh, no, that, that was not, uh, that was done. Like, um, we uh, we addressed the situation and that was it. You're relieved of your duties. And Martin Saint-Louis uh, is uh, brought in as an interim coach. Not that it matters. Were you shocked that it was Marty Saint-Louis? I mean, a lot of people were shocked. Uh, I, uh, well, it surprised me to be surprised. But uh, I knew the that uh, they had a relationship with him. So, uh I mean that's that's their choice. I mean, yeah, I I like Marty a lot. Uh, we played together two years. We're good friends. I um, you know I asked him the last summer, the summer before, after the final, I asked him to uh, join our team as a, an assistant coach and and be part of the staff. And, uh, and because I think he's a he's a good hockey guy, and uh, we get a, along uh, really well. And uh, and, and wh why didn't so, it work out at the time? Why didn't he? Uh... I came close, uh, you know, the first time when I called him and said, you know, I he committed to to take care of his last son and coaching him. Yeah. Then he phoned me back like the next day, say, oh, 
you know, it's it's hard on me. Let me think about it, and and then uh, let's talk again. And then finally, you know, it was more of a family decision at the time. Yeah, and, uh, I respect that. Wow, the way things work out sometimes pretty incredible. Um, the captaincy of the team. I know you've weighed in on it already. I, I'm interested. I'm going to give you my take. I'm interested to have yours. I think they're going to name Suzuki, but I would name Edmondson. Not because I don't think Suzuki can be a good captain, because I think he can. I just think he's going to start a brand new contract, $7.8 million, pressure to produce. He's still relatively young. Joel Edmondson's a former Stanley Cup champion. He's a veteran player. He has a certain presence. He's got two years left on his deal. Why not Edmondson for a couple of years, and then Suzuki can take over a couple of years from now? That's the way I see it, but I think they're going to name Nick Suzuki captain. Can I ask you who you think they're going to name captain? I have no idea, but uh, those are two candidates, and you can add the galley to that, right? Yeah, to be a transition. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, galley shows up every day. He's he's working. He's uh, he's you know you cannot ask more from a guy. Um, to be, uh, you know, the way he's committed and uh, engaged in, in the team everyday practices or games. Uh, Eddie, you talked about a, a presence for sure. He's got a presence, not just some kind of presence. He's got a, a presence. And I think when we talk about last year and when we talk about starting the season without Shea, without Corey Perry, without, you know, Kerry being injured, the second layer of, um, uh, leadership that we had was, you know, Edmondson and, and Byron, and they were both injured also. So Eddie's got some leadership for sure. And Susie, uh, no doubt in my mind, at one point he's going to be the captain. Um, he's a guy that uh, when he's put in a situation where uh, he's uh, he needs to compete and be making a difference, you know, um, I think it just uh, raises his game. So, is he ready for that now? Uh, would it be good for him right now? I don't know, but uh, I'll let them pick that. But uh, um, at one point, I, I think we're all uh, unanimous on that, that he's going to be wearing this here at one point. Obviously, you'd love to be a coach in the National Hockey League again. My question to you, though, is seeing as you're not just yet, did you receive any calls to be an assistant coach for the upcoming that Discussions, yeah. But, you know, I got two years left on my contract, and I want to make sure. Um, I think that, that was a good proof of that this year, um, to be in a good situation. Like, uh, um, you know, and I am, the, you know, knowing Mark's situation last last summer, you know, and everything that was going on with Jeff and Mark. And, you know, obviously, if he leaves, you know, it puts me on the, but you know that's part of it, and now I'm in the position where I can, you know, um, uh, take my time and pick the right situation and the right people to work with, and and make sure that uh, um, it makes me a better coach and I can contribute on the other side. So whatever, uh, whatever the situation or the role or the league or whatever it is, that's what I'm gonna be. Uh, picking the right time, the right place with the right people. A couple of quick questions for you to finish it off. Okay. One more minute. All right. Um, if you were 
to coach a team tomorrow and you can pick one player that you'd have on your team, one in the whole league, who would it be? I like Nate. I like McKinnon, right? I know uh, I know Nate coaching him in juniors. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's probably right there in this prime right now. He's starting to, you know, he's, he's matured and uh, the way he plays, he's a competitor. He's a guy that wants to be making a difference. Uh, there's some, some great players, right? Uh, yeah. David, Matthews, you know, a lot of good players but i i, you know, I nathan is tough to beat on a on a on one game decide yeah. game i asked the question because in discussions that i've had with a lot of people this offseason there's four names that come up more often than not it's connor mcdavid it's austin matthews it's nathan mckinnon and kale mccarr and i was just wondering if you were he's he's really something eh? oh yeah well Seen i had the that. chance to coach him right I had the chance to coach him at the World Juniors, and um, yeah. he, he, so agile, explosive, um, can get out of uh, any situation, uh, pressure situation, and making a, a good play, a strong play. Um, he, he's and at the same time he's not only a one-way guy, can defend. So, no, he for sure. I mean, when you talk about those four guys, uh, you don't go yeah. wrong. Here's another tough one, uh, but you as a coach, when you're watching hockey or you're coaching, you're coaching against another coach, and you say to yourself, oof, I'm in for a, a big challenge tonight because this guy is quick, this guy is sharp. Which coach comes to mind? And I know they're all good because you don't get to that yeah, level without good. being good. Yeah, they're all good. Um, you know what? I... I I know uh, in-game coaching is important, and it's uh, it's a big part of it for sure. But I think the biggest thing is the preparation. And um, you know, I, I have too much respect for too many guys to pick ju just one. So I, I was, you know, influenced by many. I was always bringing little things right, and always fitting in into who you are. Because you, you don't want to be changing and trying to be someone else, but uh, you know a lot of good coaches and and, uh, and that's one thing in the NHL, right? Uh, uh, you know people look at it and, and you say it's 82 games, but there's not one easy game. Uh, every night, you know the, the team on the other side is prepared. Um, you know it's a battle every night, so it's a it's a it's a challenge to be you know, well prepared every night. But also, it's a mental challenge on the coaches, but also on the players to be able to play at that level and that level of commitment every night for 82 games is a, is a challenge. You talked about your players only had after that short summer about 20 days to work out before the season started. MatrixHomeFitness.ca. I'm going to give them a shout out. They sent me a treadmill. It's time I get on it again. Bring it home. Discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit MatrixHomeFitness.ca. Coach. In ending, coaches are always trying to get better with new innovative stuff. Uh, do you have things planned over the next week? Or like, are you st still talking to coaches, exchanging ideas, going to seminars, having Zoom calls? What do you do to better yourself? Um, yeah, talking to a lot of people, video, uh, using a lot of video, 
using anything. I like, like I said, I like uh, every sport. And uh, coaching is, uh, it's not only X's and O's. And uh, you can learn from coaches in other sports. So I, I really like to be, uh, uh, to, to, to stay in touch of, you know, about what the uh, other sports and other coaches and in the league and, like I said, uh, everywhere are talking about and uh, on the uh, mental side and the preparation on the way to uh, get a, a team ready and and uh, and uh, obviously um, you know uh, X's and O's and things like that uh, to uh, watch for new tendencies and and uh, looking at uh, everything like around the world. Uh, I was not one of the five phone calls you placed when you got the job, but you made amends by giving me 48 minutes of your time on a beautiful summer afternoon. And for that, I say thank you. I really appreciate it. And Dominic Ducharme, this comes straight from the heart. I wish you all the very best in your quest to get back behind the bench and to win a Stanley Cup one day. Merci beaucoup. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. Take care, coach. All right. All the best. Thank you. There you have it. Marinero, tell your friends about this podcast and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Do it now. This podcast is sick. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>